Hello and welcome, it's great to see you again. Uh, just a few quick things I'd like to um, get away at the start this morning. Uh, first of all is uh, we have got our prayer meetings resuming um, from, from this coming week. So uh, remember, prayer meetings are on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. We'd love to see you here at the church, as well as 7 p.m. on the first Thursday of the month. It'd be great to see you out to pray. Um, do we need prayer right now like never before? So I'd love to see as many as that can come um, coming out for prayer. Also, don't forget that uh, it's time to get your shoeboxes together for Operation Christmas Child. Um, so please get those through um, to us by the end of October. Uh, and also, you would have seen the email this week for those that got the email um, that we're looking for support for a family in Fiji who the missions team has already sent money to, um, but they've got seven kids at home uh, and no work and COVID's really hitting Fiji hard. Uh, so if you've got the, uh, the capacity to give, then we'd love you just to mark whatever you can um, in an online deposit um, marked as Fiji. Uh, and we'd love to be able to send that off to that family. Um, Ratu is a, a lovely guy and uh, has been so hospitable for so long, but, you know, he's doing it tough. Uh, so if we can support, um, I'd encourage you to. Uh, so, yeah, uh, basically $100 Aussie feeds their family of nine for a week. Uh, so if that's something you'd be interested in, then uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, just put that deposit straight through. Well, let's get into the message today. Are you ever nervous around new things? I mean, I remember uh, a few years ago, uh, there was a new iPhone that was being released and uh, Perth was the first store worldwide, globally, to release this new iPhone because of time differences and everything. And uh, there was this kid, probably a 17 or 18 year old, who'd been camped out the front of this Apple store for days to be the first person in line to buy this new iPhone. And so he goes inside and, and he's the first, he buys it, he brings it outside and uh, the news crews are waiting and they want to watch him unbox his iPhone. So he unboxes it and drops it on the ground. The first thing, is, uh, it was just hilarious. You know, he, he looked so nervous as well as he opened this box. Uh, are you nervous around new things? Have you ever been nervous driving a new car? Uh, you know, maybe you're so worried that you're going to hit something or someone might hit you. Are you nervous around new things? What, what about a new job? Have you ever been nervous starting a new job? Yeah, are the people going to like me? Am I going to be able to do what's required of the role? You know, will, will this be a career that I can really enjoy and prosper in? We can be nervous even about coming to church, particularly if you're new. I mean, you know, we've welcomed so many new people over the last couple of years and, and I hope that, that your experience has been just as positive as others I've heard and that, uh, you know, we together will be able to grow together as a, as a church family. But it, it can be a bit daunting de getting to know a whole bunch of new people at a new church. And, and I hope everyone, new or old, feels that you are a vital part of, of our family, our church family here, that you are part of our vibrant family. Are you ever nervous, though, around 
new things. What about new doctrine? When we have the benefit of nearly 2,000 years of church history to learn from and, and can build upon centuries of the greatest minds understanding God and His Word and explaining it in a way that we might understand better. But this wasn't the case for those reading Paul's letter firsthand in Rome. For the church in Rome, I reckon they would have been quite nervous following Paul's excellent exposition and teaching of justification by faith alone from chapters 1 through 4. You know, Paul's hearers, their readers of this letter would, would naturally probably have, have this another question come into their mind, very naturally, uh, because of what he'd written in chapters 1 to 4. Is this method of justification safe? They would have been nervous, guaranteed. Can, can I trust that this justification by faith alone is is it trustworthy? Can I trust it? Since justification is by faith, it could potentially be uncertain. How could they really tell? Is it reliable? Well, that's what Paul writes about in chapter 5. And that is what we're looking at over the next two weeks as we conclude our series in Romans next week with the last half of chapter 5. But in chapter 5, Paul gives evidence that justification by faith is reliable and explains the results of justification by faith. Today, we're looking at the first 11 verses. And in the first 11 verses, we have the blessed results of justification by faith, along with the most comprehensive statement in the Bible of pure love and grace of God in giving Christ to us sinners. So as we begin exploring this, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask right now that the Holy Spirit would speak into the depths of our hearts and minds and help us to understand this teaching with our intellect and help us to transfer that understanding from our heads to deep internal knowledge in our hearts as well. Speak to us through your scriptures now, we pray. Amen. So you've got your Bibles there, open them up to Romans chapter 5. We're going to be starting at verse 1. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The oh, brilliant verse, isn't it? Paul, Paul has proved to us that justification comes by faith. And there's no doubt or question about it. And the language that Paul uses in the Greek here is not the present participle being declared righteous, as if it's an ongoing work. He uses the aorist principle, uh, participle, having been declared righteous or justified. So what's the difference? Well, being declared righteous looks at a state that you are in, having been declared righteous, looks back at a fact that happened. God has declared us righteous for those who believed upon Jesus by faith. It is a past fact. It has already occurred. 
And the result of that is that we have peace with God through faith. Justification equals peace with God through faith. And this peace, this peace is with God. It is reconciliation. It is not just a feeling of tranquility that, that this is the peace of God, like we in Philippians 4, 7. And as one commentator points out, to say that we have peace with God is hardly more to say than we have been justified, since justification puts an end to the legal strife between judge and accused. Justification is an objective status or condition or relation which exists between God and those whom he justifies. Of course, the objective state is reflected in the feeling of peace and security which may in, man enjoys when he knows that he is reconciled to God. So this peace that we have with God is because of the reconciliation we've experienced by faith when God declared us righteous. That's our legal position before God. We are no longer going to experience his wrath and judgment. We have been declared righteous. And that reality by faith should naturally lead us to the feeling of peace as well. It's a double bonus, hey? You know, in previous chapters, Paul had been speaking of God's wrath being poured out onto sinners. But we who stand justified do not need to fear God's wrath since Jesus Christ has made peace between us and God by his death. And from this position, we receive many benefits. Romans 5 verse 2, Through him, that is Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. We can see from these verses that from, from peace with God through Jesus Christ, Christ, we are receivers of many things. The first of those is access. We are receivers of access. The idea here is that Jesus Christ enables us to enjoy a continuing relationship with God. Being at peace with God means that we have access to the Father just as Christ does. And this is one of the benefits of being brothers and sisters of Christ, co-heirs with him. We have access to the Father. As a parent and husband, I always give full access to my family to see me, talk to me, be with me. You know, my dad's a great example of this as well. You know, he too is a pastor of a church in Bury in South Australia. And he will just about always take my call when I ring even if he's in an elders meeting or, or in, in something which I think is far more important, you know, for my little interruption, he will always call, take my call. And he might say, can I call you back? Great. But he always answers. I have access to my father. 
And that's what Jesus grants us with God. He grants us access like a son has with a father. And from peace with God through Jesus, we are also receivers of grace. That access is into grace. Paul speaks here of this grace in which we stand as as the realm into which Christ's redeeming work transfers us like we're transported into the realm of grace from the realm of wrath. To redeem means to free or release from slavery or bondage of sin by the payment of a ransom. And Paul stressed the fact that our being in this state is an act of God's grace. We are released by God's grace. Our present position in relation to God is all from or based on grace. And our justification admits us to that position. This is not something we deserve. It's by God's grace, God's unmerited favour towards us. We also receive from peace with God, we receive joy. The last part of verse 5 focuses on that part of our reconciliation that we can look forward to with joyful confidence. We rejoice. I mean, what else could bring us more joyful confidence than the certainty that we are justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ? Peace with God brings us joy. We are no longer destined for wrath, but for glory. And that's also what we're brought. We're brought glory. You know, Paul had in view the glory that we will experience when we stand in the Lord's presence. That is the meaning he of glory. It is not what we would be, be exalted, but that, that we'll be standing in the presence of Jesus following Christ's return. And we're also given joy in suffering. Being declared righteous by God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ does not mean that our life will will magically become the easy, carefree life of our dreams like on some glossy brochure for Disneyland. The reality is that peace with God does not always result in peace with other people. Nevertheless, the fact that we have peace with God and a relationship with Him with assurance of standing acceptable in his presence, enables us to view present difficulties with joy. We can rejoice in tribulations or rejoice in our sufferings because God has revealed that he uses them. He uses them for his plans and his purposes. He uses them to develop greater things in us, greater things like, as the verse goes on, endurance. Endurance is one such thing that God uses our sufferings to develop in us from peace with God through Jesus Christ. God enables us to persevere through difficulties as he walks with us through them, giving us the strength to persevere and endure. And and character. He gives us character. Struggles that require endurance and perseverance produce in us a proven character. 
Warren Wearsby points out that our English word tribulation or suffering here in this verse, depending on your translation, comes from a Latin word tribulum. In Paul's day, a tribulum was a heavy piece of timber with spikes in it used for threshing the grain. The tribulum was drawn over the grain and it separated wheat from the chaff. And that's what it, it's like what endurance and perseverance through suffering brings to us. It separates the wheat from the chaff. It helps us remove the worthless parts of ourselves and helps us hold on to the best. It helps us develop a character that is proven through adversity. You know, the newborn child of God is precious in his sight. But the tested and proven saint means even more to him because a proven saint, a proven follower of Jesus is a living demonstration of the character-developing power of the gospel. When we stand in the presence of God, all material possessions would have been left behind. But all that we have gained by way of spiritual advance, proven character will be retained. Our proven character will be retained. And this helps us see how character, our proven character produces hope, which is also given. This, the, the hope of glorifying God with our proven character when we see him is in view. Our progress in character development will then testify to God's grace in our lives. Hope is the product of proven character. And this hope will not suffer disappointment. Our hope will not be in vain because God loves us and enables us to withstand tribulations and suffering. Not only to withstand them, but to find joy in them. He does this through his Holy Spirit, whom is given to indwell every justified sinner. And this is the greatest signature of God's love for us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. How much does God love us? So much so that he gave us the indwelling Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is the seal of God's love in us and the confirmation of the hope that we have in the gospel by faith. The gospel is a gospel of hope for all. And it's interesting to note the progression in these verses from faith to hope to love. By faith, we have this great hope displayed by God's love for us. And that's what the next verses focus on, God's love on display. From verse 6 we read, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The depths of God's love becomes clearer in these verses. Paul describes us as helpless or powerless, as weak, meaning we were incapable of working out any righteousness for ourselves. And yet hope, God's love overflowed to us while we were in that state. And so from God's perspective, 
He chose the perfect time in all of time. He chose the perfect time to send us Jesus. It was the right time by his determination, knowing the fullness of time. He loves us, the, the ungodly, he calls us as well. People who rebel against God. He loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus, who while we were still sinners, died for us. Paul makes the point that seldom would we die for someone who's upright. You know, to stretch, we might think about it for a good person, someone we'd liked maybe, a bit like our armed forces who have in, in the past have fought and died for, for the freedoms of people and for generations they'll never meet. There might be a few people who might be prepared to die for good people, but, but that's not the norm. And we were sinners. We were wicked. We were neither upright nor good. And Paul here contrasts the worth of the life laid down, Jesus Christ's, and the unworthiness of those who benefit from his sacrifice. Some people may look at others as, as meriting love because they are upright or good. God, however, views us all as sinners. Nevertheless, God loves us all. There is hope. His provision of His own Son as our Saviour demonstrates the depth of His love for us and that great hope that we have in the gospel. God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And another way that God's love is on display is being saved from His wrath. Verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We will be delivered from the outpouring of God's wrath to the unrighteous, for those who by faith God has declared righteous. The gospel of hope in action. That's what that is. And so Christ's blood is both the symbol of his death and the literal expression of his life poured out as a sacrifice. And if he's done that for us as sinners, then of course he will save us from God's wrath. One commentator summed it up perfectly. Having done the harder thing, justifying us when we were yet sinners, how much more will he do the easier thing, delivering us from, comp from coming wrath? And Paul, Paul then he explains it more fully. So far, Paul has described us as, as helpless or weak, as powerless. Then he's described us as ungodly, then, then as sinners or, or wicked. And now the fourth and worst term that he used to describe those for whom Christ died is enemies. When we are not only helpless to save ourselves, neglectful of God and wicked, but we also set ourselves up against God and his purposes. Sure, some of us... Some of us might be good people, but that's not enough. However, Jesus Christ's death reconciled us to God. 
And it's not something we do. It's something God has done for us. God reconciles people to himself. He redeemed them from sin and he appeases himself all through the death of his son. And it is man who has offended and departed from God and needs reconciliation into relationship with him. It is man who has turned from God, not God who has turned from man. And so reconciliation is needed and it is provided for us by God. I find this mind-boggling. You know, and there's two aspects of this reconciliation. First of all, one is for all mankind and another is for individual believers. So Jesus Christ's death put all of mankind in a savable condition. But people still need to experience full reconciliation with God by personally believing in his son, Jesus. It is a personal saving faith. It is not good enough that your mum or dad believe in Jesus. It's not good enough that your husband or, or aunt or your fifth grade teacher is a believer. It's a personal decision that we all make to believe and by faith be justified or reject God and remain enemies of God by our choice. God has displayed his love for us by making it possible to be reconciled with him. But we must take that step of faith towards him. We must accept the hope of the gospel for ourselves. You know, Paul calls us enemies with God in this passage. But it's not like we're enemies in a war with God. We're not in opposing trenches, firing back and forth, lobbing grenades both ways. We've made ourselves, we, we have made ourselves enemy of God, but God wants to reconcile with us. He wants that so badly because he loves us so deeply and has made a way for that to be possible through the death of his son, Jesus. He has given us hope. But we must make that step of faith towards him. And I encourage you to do that now. If you haven't already, the best time to respond by faith to Jesus is now. Jesus Christ's death is responsible for our justification when God declares us righteous. His continuing life is responsible for our progressive sanctification, where we become more like Jesus day by day by day, and our glorification when we go to be with Jesus at Christ's return. The idea is not that what Christ now does for believers saves us now, but the fact that he is alive saves us. Because he lives we can experience justification and glorification as well as sanctification. You know, having done the harder thing for us, delivering Christ to death to reconcile to us to himself, God will certainly do the easier thing. He will see that we share Christ's risen life forever. What a glorious hope we have in Jesus. We have salvation in the present and in the future. Because our Saviour lives. 
He is still saving us. This passage shows that we are eternally secure because he lives. Maybe you might want to, at the end of this message, if you're at home watching online, Google because he lives at great hymn and bask in that glorious, hopeful statement because he lives we have life. This passage shows that we are eternally secure because he lives. In Jesus Christ's death reconciled us to God with the effect that one day in the future, we will stand before him complete. However, we also enter into the benefits of that reconciliation now. We were saved by his death in the past We will be saved by his life in the future and we are presently enjoying a current saving relationship with God because of his work of reconciliation. Justification by faith is a safe method. There's no need to be nervous. It is the doorway to many various blessings that obedience to the law could never guarantee. Justification by faith is the path of hope for us all. It is the hope of the gospel wrapped up in one. You know, today we've seen many of the various blessings that come to us through the gospel of hope. From verse 1, justification. Also from verse 1, peace with God. Verse 2, we access into God's grace. Verse 3, 4 and 5, joy in suffering and all that produces. Verse 5, the dwelling, the indwelling Holy Spirit. Verses 9 and 10, We see deliverance from future condemnation. And here in verse 11, present reconciliation with God. Amazing blessings, eh? Paul has clearly presented the benefits of justification here in these 11 verses. And we can clearly see that there's no need to be nervous or apprehensive about justification by faith. It is the only way in which we are saved. It is the only way in which the hope of the gospel is realized. So how does all this impact me today? You know, we've learned a lot. We've gone through a lot. There's been a lot of teaching today on these really key topics of the gospel. What difference does it make? God loves us. We're justified by faith. We have access to God, grace, joy, endurance, character, hope, the indwelling Holy Spirit, reconciliation with God. Yes, we get all of that, but what difference does it make? Well, for those of you who have been saved for decades and have been faithful to the Lord for a long time, none of this is news for you today. You've heard it all before. You know this stuff. What difference? will it make for you? Well, hopefully it will be an encouragement to you as you have been reminded of the amazing hope that we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is through faith that we have been declared righteous by God. By faith alone, we've been justified and we can have complete obedience. Sorry, we can have complete confidence that this is true, reliable and trustworthy. And it has brought reconciliation between us and God. We're no longer enemies of God, but are alive in Christ Jesus. And 
if you're only recently saved or haven't really studied much of Romans before, hopefully this has, has helped inform your thinking and knowledge of some of these really deep theological truths from Scripture. But either way, saved for years or never heard Romans before, what should our response be to this gospel of hope that we have? Well, first of all, I hope that it has given you more confidence and trust in your eternal hope and position in Jesus. Nothing can take that away from you. And secondly, my hope is that you will have a clearer picture of the love that God has for everyone and how he has made it possible for others to be reconciled to himself. And maybe that will help you when you talk with your friends and neighbours and family and colleagues who might have questions or might be exploring or searching within their spiritual reality. I hope this might have helped prepare you to give an answer for faith. There's no need to be nervous about anything. Just be who you are. And as you learn and grow, be confident and open. Let us pray. Almighty God, you've given us so much that we don't deserve, but oh, how we are so thankful. In your perfect timing, you sent Jesus to die in our place so that we could be reconciled to you through his sacrifice. We thank you. We thank you that, that now through faith, we have peace with you, sealed by your indwelling Holy Spirit. We thank you for your love and grace that you show each one of us. And we pray that many more would come to faith in the person and work of your Son and be declared righteous by their faith in you. Lord, help us to live with courage for you. Be confident and full of trust in our eternal hope and position of Jesus and inspired to see others join us in that glorious hope. Help us be more open to share more about your love for those who need you. And even if they don't know that yet, Lord, help us. Help us share with them about, about how much you love them. They might be completely oblivious, but we know you love them. You want them to be reconciled to you. And so help us, help us be reconcilers. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for joining with us today. It's been great to see you again. And uh, I hope that uh, you continue on in confidence and joy in the Lord. Blessings. <music>